Today's podcast, uh, we will touch on some of the summer league observations and how much I love the bad teams. We got Albert Breer from the MMQB. He's going to touch on a bunch of quarterback questions going into the season and the latest on the Deshaun Watson ruling. And we've got life advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm leaving Vegas, uh, finishing my summer league run. It's always a really great thing for basketball people. I can't express this enough. If you're a basketball junkie, you got to try to figure a way to get out here. I wouldn't say the games are great. All right. There's some bad games. I sat through one uh, yesterday, start to finish. Just an awful basketball game to watch. But if you're watching individual players and trying to learn about guys, guys, you're wondering, hey, is this guy ever going to figure it out? I saw a first rounder this week where I go, Wow, I would decline his option by halftime. Uh, it's not happening for this guy. We'll see if I'm right or not. I'm not going to share the name. I don't want to be that negative. Um, and then there's other players that you like have some hope for, and you're going, oh, you know, I'm starting to see some things. This guy's added this to his game if it's a second-year guy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's one overriding factor here. And again, we just got done on Sunday doing the pod with Bill where we were doing the trade value chart. Um, his rankings, he went 1 through 64, and then some honorable mentions of essentially the game of would you trade this guy for that guy and then put him in order and Giannis being the one guy that you would say no to for every other player which is the right answer uh it's it's a lot of fun he's been doing it a long time and this feels like something you know Sarudi and I've been talking about this but we're watching the summer league games we're texting each other back and forth and I'm going I can't believe how many bad teams I can't wait to watch play basketball I can't believe the depth of talent I you know even teams that I know probably have no chance of making the playoffs they're going to be in the tier one of, of my league pass rotation, possibly. Like, look at the four worst teams from last season, all right? The four worst records, Houston, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma City. I can't wait to watch all four of those teams, whether it's Orlando with Paolo and Franz and then, you know, what Suggs ends up being. And I don't want to run through every single roster and make sure I name every single player that's interesting, but it's the same thing with Houston, with Jalen and now Jabari. Um, Tari Eason, who I definitely wasn't sure who he was as an offensive player. Uh, he's leading the summer league in rebounds right now for anybody that's played more than one game. Oklahoma City, it's a no-brainer with Chet, Giddy, Mann, SGA, Dort, the Jalens, Usman Jang, and Detroit with Cade Ivey, a post-Colorado hangout, Sadiq Bay, and then Duran. Real side note here on Duran, not a knock at all, but one of the funny things about this uh, experience for the players is they get to you know feel what it's like. You know, a little taste if you're a rookie and you're a higher draft pick, a taste of people paying attention to you, a taste of, you know, interviews with ESPN and, and people caring in a level that maybe you've never experienced before. So it's a good way to break you in. Another thing for some of the top guys, you can already sit out games and miss them, getting getting you ready for when you sign a max deal. You decide to not play a ton of games. That's a joke. 
uh, during, I think they beat the Wizards and after the, and again, this is not a criticism of a young kid being interviewed by ESPN probably for the first time ever since the draft, um, which is a totally different vibe, but you're trying to say all the right things and you don't want to say anything wrong. And they were like, you know, what'd you think? And he's like, man, we just, you know, that's a great team over there. You're like, Wizards summer league team? Is it? Is that team great? Uh, maybe I'm being unfair, but I'm also pointing out that you know, whatever. It made me laugh because I thought it was a little funny. So that's kind of the point of this this whole thing of watching these bad teams and going, has the league ever been this deep? It doesn't feel like it. It feels a little prisonery of the moment-ish, if I can kind of just combine that whole phrase. Uh, we do make mistakes in the moment of going, I don't know, the league has ever been this deep, but I don't think the league has ever been this deep. You know, if I went back and looked at other teams, the other lesson in this um, would be that We've had a lot of good, exciting young rosters, and it hasn't panned out. And that's definitely true. Like, I wouldn't look at all those four teams going, all right, future power rankings, it's Orlando, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Detroit, and they're all going to be in conference finals within the next five years. We all know that that's not the way it works. You know, half of those teams are probably disappointed, just like so many others before them. But if you go through the West, like, I remember somebody was talking about Portland the other day, right? Portland hands Lillard this contract. Um, they must feel good about him never asking for a trade ever. He may feel I can never ask you for a trade because you added two years and $100 million plus at the end of my deal when I already had three years remaining, so you didn't even have to do it. Uh, but if you go through the West and think about the money Portland spent, whether it's Simons, the Lillard deal, bringing over Grant, bringing back Nurkic, and looking like they're going for it, and then you could be like, well, going for what? Let's, let's be fair here. Let's rank the teams ahead of Portland here in the West as of right now. And I'm not saying Portland shouldn't have done the stuff they've done. They've clearly decided, like, all right, we sort of tanked at the end of the year last year because Dame wasn't playing. But if Dame is playing, we're going to try to do whatever we possibly can to be competitive. And we know some of these teams in front of them are going to get hurt anyway. Who knows? Maybe it's Portland. But Golden State, yes. Phoenix, as we wait for this eight into Pacers deal, I don't know. Uh, We'll have to see what Phoenix is going to look like. But I don't think they're going to suck, of course. That would be ridiculous to say. Memphis. Dallas, Denver, I think healthy Denver, I'd put ahead of Dallas. Healthy New Orleans, I think I'd put ahead of Dallas. Uh, But New Orleans, who knows? Their ceiling could be terrific if they all figure it out and they're healthy. Minnesota, both LA's, not 100% sure what to do. But I think a better Anthony Davis and even an aging LeBron is ahead of Portland. So Portland's looking at what? Ninth, 10th? You know, again, knowing that somebody in front of you, a couple of those teams could be hurt, but you can't just bank on somebody else being hurt while you bank on yourself being healthy because that's not fair either. So, when you think of the depth just there of the West alone in a team like Portland who thinks, hey, we're a playoff team. You know, when we had everybody here. We had a decent playoff run that one year. Like, why can't we do that again? I don't know that they can. I mean, they feel like a playing team right now, but it also speaks to the depth. But as I was touching on some of the younger rosters with this, and I could I could probably do this all day. You know, I could go back to some of those Wizards teams 20 years ago. I mean, like, look at the future. The future's bright. Like, remember they played Chicago for our older listeners and they got swept in the first round? of best of five game series and you were left thinking like, man, they hung in there with the Bulls in those three games. Look out Wizards. Uh, The Timberwolves have done this a couple different times. The Marbury KG thing. I think Barkley and the Rockets beat them in the late 90s in the playoffs one time and then Barkley afterwards was like, those guys are next. No, they're not. Um, So it does happen. Minnesota actually and I don't like when people talk about tanking when tanking doesn't work for their team. And they're like, well, tanking doesn't work. And you're like, well, that's a completely flawed statement. Nobody's sitting here. No one who does this for a living is guaranteeing that tanking works for you. It just gives you a chance, just like every other thing, right? Minnesota going through what they went through when they ended up with Wiggins and Towns on paper a couple of years ago, you're thinking this is why you don't win games because now you've built your team around these two guys and you have a real chance. 
Uh, Wiggins was disappointing. Towns, maybe it took a little bit longer. Maybe there's still some limitations there with Towns. Um, but Minnesota got to a place after they went through the disappointment of thinking they had the two anchors to build around here. Uh, and that was with a little flirtation with Butler, who clearly didn't want to be there long term because I think it had more to do with the contract than it was his teammates. So Butler was on his way out. Uh, I was looking at top young cores. There was a power rankings of young cores. I think I went back to 2015 to look at this. And Utah was ranked number one. And you're probably thinking, well, hey, Mitchell, Gobert, not a bad, not a bad ranking. Maybe a little high. This is before Mitchell ever got there. The names that we had that put together this young core in 15 as the best future for any team in the NBA was Trey Lyles, Dante Exum, Trey Burke, Rodney Hood, Favors, and that was with Gobert and a very still young and healthy at this point, Gordon Hayward. Um, it worked out for Utah, but not because of any of those pieces because, hell, they lost Hayward for nothing on top of everything else. Oklahoma City in 2012, probably one of the best young cores we've had in the modern era. Uh, KD, Westbrook, Harden, and Serge. A terrific job by Presti putting that together, knowing to grab Serge. Uh, Durant was a no-brainer at that point, being aggressive with the Westbrook part of it. And then Harden, who wasn't a no-brainer pick either at that time because you were kind of like, is this guy actually going to be athletic enough? They make it to the NBA Finals, they lose to the Heat. And then because they weren't, this is the part about the Harden thing that, and that's never been, when I see people try to beat up on Harden, who would ever do that? Uh, and they'll be like, well, you know, he's always asking away from teams. Him wanting out of Oklahoma City to make more money, that was fine. I mean, he did the right thing and he got his own team and he became a much better player, I think, than a lot of us thought he could be coming out of the role that he had in Oklahoma City. But what was so short-sighted is that the Thunder let him bounce, not factoring in any of the new te uh, TV revenue that would have made Harden's contract you know, laughable to move on from. So he made a little bit of extra money. Uh, the, the pieces coming back, you know, historically, were not very good for Oklahoma City. But that was, that was a... That's the best example of a young core that would get you so excited that actually won some games and got themselves to an NBA Finals. And who knows what would have happened 16 had they not blown the 3-1 lead. Would they have beaten Cleveland in 16 in the NBA Finals? I don't know. I think Iguodala, I forget who, somebody had said it later on. They were like, oh, Oklahoma City actually would have been beaten Cleveland. Super easy to say for something that was never going to happen. Uh, Philadelphia is a weird example of the plan didn't really work, yet they're still kind of in the mix but I don't know how much it had to do with Hinky. Uh, Hinky was smart enough to take Embiid third when people were worried about his medicals. But some of the other stuff, whether it was Nerlens at six, that pick and trading it out for Drew Holiday, uh, Jalil Okafor, Ben Simmons, who in retrospect, it was still the right pick at one, even though it's been a bit of a disaster. And then even though the Fultz-Tatum thing was Colangelo, not Hinky, uh, that's a team that had all these if they had hit on one of those other assets, whether it was the Okafor year or taking Tatum instead of Fultz, um, you know, some of the other stuff that, that ended up going wrong, I wonder how much better position they would have been. I mean, honestly, Tatum with Philadelphia, if they just stayed at number three and taken him, um, I don't want to guarantee rings, but it would change the fortunes dramatically of two teams because Boston wouldn't even be in the conversation. So there are a lot of young teams that can have these amazing cores and a lot like the NFL quarterbacks that we're going to get to here with Breer. You'll think, oh man, remember how much I really like that team? So maybe this is me getting excited about something that we know is going to be at least 50% 50, 50 disappointing. But I just know this, watching some of these teams and these younger guys, I, I can't believe how much talent is on the supposed awful teams in the NBA. And that does feel different from years prior. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate, hate, is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. 
I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Joining us from, it looks like, New Bedford, we've got Albert Breer. Uh, hanging out outside with us, the uh, QB. All right, let's uh, let's go over some offseason questions, quarterback related. Right? Are you ready for this? I'm ready to go. Okay, this first one's going to take a little while to set up. But what is the most concerning development for these three quarterbacks coming off of last season? Uh, the first one would be Hurts and the Eagles. Granted, it's not just all on the quarterback. Uh, the only playoff team going into the playoffs last year without a win uh, against any team over 500. The Pats went from two and four to nine and four. Those wins with Mac were against the Jets, the Chargers, Carolina, Cleveland, Atlanta. They did beat Tennessee uh, and then had that weird Buffalo game, which I don't think meant anything because then they lost to him 33-21 and then 47-17 in the playoffs. Or the Tua question. Um, they had this awesome win streak, but when you looked at it, it was that weird Baltimore game where Tua had eight completions. They beat Flacco, Cam Newton, who got benched, Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, and then Ian Book to go to eight and seven. So you add all that stuff up. And I know during those win streaks and when teams are rolling, you're like, oh, wow, you know, these guys are figuring it out because that's just what we do, whether win or lose with the quarterbacks. But what do you think is maybe the most concerning going into this year? Like I, if you're asking me like which team is like least sold that the guy they have is the answer and would be like the easiest one to move off of their guy, it'd probably be Philly. And I think a big part of that is, and people, I, I don't know how many people picked up on this, but, you know, six, eight weeks into the season last year, they changed play callers and they basically installed the Oklahoma run game to make Jalen Hurts more comfortable. And to his credit, like Hurts played great, like down the stretch. But like, we've seen this before, right? Like we've seen like coaching staff bring in a version of a quarterback's college offense and it works for a while. And then eventually like that quarterback has to evolve and we haven't seen Hertz have to evolve quite yet. And so like, I look at like what you're talking about with the Eagles not having wins over quality teams and like, what were they able to do schematically? And there's at least some concern there. Like to, uh, I, 
I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think that they've just they've 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 put themselves in a position where they're going to be able to get answers on him because they've put enough around him now, and they're going to have him playing in a traditional NFL offense. Um, and he has played in you know a couple different offenses now. So I think like you can look at Tua and say, even if he's just an average player, what he's done is a little bit more sustainable. And then I think what we know about Mac now is at the very least, like I think he can be a good NFL quarterback. Can he elevate past like the like Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins level? Like we'll see. But I think we at least know Mac can be a good NFL quarterback. And what he did, I think, as a rookie does look like it's sustainable. Okay, bigger concern, Mahomes without Tyreek Hill or Rodgers without Devontae Adams? I think it, I would say probably Mahomes without Hill just because of what Hill would do to defenses on a week-to-week basis. And like I think if you look at the way the teams played the Chiefs like throughout last year, you saw almost, they almost exclusively went too high. And like Mahomes' like best game early in the year before the Chiefs adjusted was against the Raiders, and it was because the Raiders were like stuck with Gus Bradley playing the old school, like Seattle cover three, and they were able to kind of make big plays down the field. So much of it, like I think for Mahomes, was learning how to be patient, and a big part of learning how to be patient was all right, like they've got the deep parts of the field like, covered. Can I go 10 plays, 12 plays, 14 plays instead of going six plays? And now with Hill out of the equation, like that amount of space that Hill was creating naturally for everybody gets closed down a little bit. So I think both of them are going to be fine. Um, But I just think we've seen Rodgers play with less, a lot more than we've seen it from Mahomes at this point, because things have been set up nicely for Mahomes over the first five years of his career. Yeah, I guess I'm just like the Hill part of it where, you know, it felt like and again, I didn't really feel this way, but where it was like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, they're they're taking away everything deep. He's not taking the throws underneath. You know, he needs to do a better job with that. Has any, you know, I don't know if it was people I really trust saying all of a sudden the league has figured out Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like as if it was a fluky few first few years to his career. I'll just never believe that. I just think he's too skilled and that he'll figure it out. But the non-hill part of it, I mean, it does at least change what you're doing in game preparation leading up to the week against him because there isn't this thing you're constantly worried about streaking down the sideline. And he's so unique. I mean, like, if you look at it, Ryan, like, look at the draft, right? Like, look at who the first receiver taken in the draft has been or the high picks have been at receiver the last few years. Like, Hollywood Brown was the first one to go in 2019. He's a burner. You know, in 2020, I believe Henry Ruggs was the first one to go right over Judy and Lamb and those guys. In 21, yeah, I mean, Chase went first, but then Jalen Waddell went with the sixth overall pick. So you see like how the league has really started to value players who can bring something to the table that maybe approximates what Hill was, what Hill is, but there's only one Tyreek. And so like, I, I, I just think like, and I've, I talked to Mahomes about this a couple months ago about how like teams, but the way the teams were playing him and the way the teams were playing Tyreek did force him to adjust. And to his credit, he did adjust, you know, and like you look like at the numbers, the last six weeks of the year and into the playoffs. And I know he had the hiccup in the second half of the second of the AFC championship game, but they really had learned how to play it a little bit differently. Now the question again becomes like, without that threat there, are teams still playing the chiefs that way? And if they aren't, 
can Mahomes still play that game without like two safeties, 25 yards off the ball? Can he still be that efficient passer underneath and, and play the 10 play, 12 play, 14 play drive kind of game? No, it's a great point. Um, because I just, I can't, I can't ever envision like, oh, hey, remember when Mahomes was better than everybody else and now it's different? That just It just seems impossible to me. Okay, this is a good one because of off of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, I feel like this is the Baker Mayfield uh, theory put to test. If you look back at his first year as a starter with Cleveland, yep. remember they put together some wins and they're like, you know, they really figured some things out because I think at one point they were like two and seven, um, but they beat Atlanta, they beat Cincinnati, they beat Carolina, they beat Denver. Um, uh, I think they, like, if you just, if you put it all together, you were kind of like, you know what? They didn't really end up beating anybody that was that good. So maybe we didn't prove anything. You know, we get so caught up in the one loss record. So, all right, looking at it that way, Baker started 59 games so far in his career, over under 40 starts for the rest of his career. I'm going to go over. Um, I think he will win the job in Carolina this year and that'll give him 17. So that would mean 23 starts, right? Like, so I think he gets over. Um, and here's the reason why people have like, I've said this a few times on a, on a few different shows over the last month or so, like in what Carolina's idea and bringing in Baker has been, it's, it's more to raise the floor at the position than it is to raise the ceiling. And I, again, like people hear me say that and they're like, well, like, like, are you saying Baker's average? I'm like, no, but like, I think at a baseline, he can be average for you. And that's better than what Carolina had, you know, like his baseline is a pretty good NFL quarterback. And like Carolina felt like we have to at least get average at the position after the way the bottom fell out on Sam Darnold after, and, and, you know, with the transition that Matt Corral is going to be making from, you know, coming from Lane Kiffin's offense at Old Miss going into the NFL we at least have to keep the bottom from falling out. And so what Baker does for them is he like creates a baseline of average and Ryan quarterbacks like that last in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like as long as he can show that he can work within the framework of a team, even if he's not someone's long-term starter, you know, three, four years from now, maybe somebody's drafting Arch Manning first overall. And Baker is the guy who's like kind of the wily veteran who's like the, you know, like the stand-in starter until Arch is ready. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I think like Baker, if he can prove that he can operate in like uh, like the right sort of way within a team and be the right kind of leader and all of those sorts of things, like, you know, like how Josh McCown added like 10 years to his career just because he's a good guy. If Baker can do that, like, I don't know that anybody's going to make him his long-term, their, their long-term starter. But I do think he's going to continue to get chances to be sort of the holdover guy or the bridge guy for teams. And I think that'll put him over 40 starts. Could you compare two different personalities in McCown and Baker, though? No, I know it. But like, the, but that, that stuff comes in different packages. You know what I mean? Like McCown was like coaching high school football. And like then the Bears bring him in and he looks good in a few spots. And like he's a really good guy in the locker room. And all of a sudden the guy like wound up making like 30 or 40 million dollars more than he would have. You know, like, like Chase Daniels, obviously the best example of it. And I understand like this different personalities, but like if Baker can, cause I think that this, I think this person is inside Baker. Like he was a really good leader at Oklahoma and the people in that program loved him. And that's one of the main reasons he went first overall. Like part of the issue in Cleveland was he was trying to be that guy and he didn't have those skins in the wall. 
you know? So like when you're getting in the guard's face for missing an assignment in practice and three plays later, you screwed something up, like that's tough. If he can get to the point where he's sort of the leader he was like at Oklahoma, where he's the guy who knows the, ins- the offense inside and out and can kind of, you know, be that sort of presence for your quarterback room, for your locker room, he can create like a, a 15, 20 year career for himself, even if he doesn't wind up being one of these guys. And they're very, very rare that comes back after failing as a first round pick and becomes a franchise quarterback somewhere else. Yeah, at this point with the Baker conversation, you know, the first couple of years he's thrown a bunch of picks. Uh, that third year statistically is really good. Um, but as I mentioned on the previous year, there was there was this kind of like carryover of like, all right, who are they beating that's actually good? Which I think is always a good thing to remind ourselves of because we can yeah. see a team finish strong or a quarterback have a nice two month stretch, and you're like, okay, but sometimes it's the schedule, and it isn't necessarily you. When you talk to front office people now with Carolina, which is odd enough that they're sitting here with the number one and number three pick from a draft four years ago. Uh, do they, is the conversation the same? Is it different about how Darnold and Baker are already onto their second teams? You mean on like the quarterbacks themselves? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the belief in Sam Darnold is gone now. Um, you know, now like people in Carolina, I'll tell you like Ben McAdoo actually thinks there's something there to work with and that they saw some edge in him in the spring um, and saw some fire that they hadn't seen like previously he's such a nice guy and he'd sort of been like this docile personality they saw a little bit more from him in the spring but i think most other nfl people believe sam darnold was more of a projection than people realized coming out of usc and he just never really developed into an nfl quarterback i think the way bakers looked at this is such an interesting thing because i i don't know if people have realized how like the bar has sort of been raised across the nfl at that position where especially if you're in the afc and you're looking at the next 10 years, it's like, all right, like I got to get by Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, like all these guys are in their mid twenties, you know? And so like, I, I think that's why, like if you're the Rams with Jared Goff or you're the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, I have to be better, you know? And that's what the Browns did. They looked at Baker and it wasn't that they didn't think Baker could be a competent NFL quarterback. And I think like, 10 years ago, Baker would have gotten a second contract the same way Garoppolo got the big deal in, with the Niners and Goff got a big deal. Like back when you looked at it and said like, well, if we have just a good player at the position, we have to hang on to him. Now teams are looking to level up from that. And so I think Baker's sort of this guy who has become this like middle of the league, middle of the middle of the pack starter who you're okay with him as your starting quarterback, but if, but you're always going to be left wanting for more. And so if you have him on your team as your starter, you have him there and it's like, okay, like he can hold the fort for a couple of years, but we have to keep our eye out for something better. No, it's a good point. It's a good reminder. We start looking at like guys on their own and you'll be like, look at these stats. These are pretty good. You go, yeah, they're really good 10 years ago, but that's not what the position is anymore. And if you're, you know, 25 touchdowns, 10 picks, but you're not necessarily airing it out. We don't feel like you're super dynamic. The third down, you know what I mean? It's like some of the basic stats for guys that are on the second half outside of the top 15, top 16. Um, the, some of the stats can still look really good, but now you just have to kind of figure out a way to get back to that top group. And that's well, just and not. It's, it's interesting. Like would Eli Manning win two Super Bowls in this era? Would Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl in this era? Because like, would Russell Wilson in his second year win a Super Bowl in this era? I think it's a really interesting question to ask because, like, it, like, there's always those two, 
categories of quarterbacks, right, Ryan? Like there's the, the quarterback you win because of and the quarterback you can win with. And it used to be like, if you were really, really good around the quarterback you can win with, you could win a Super Bowl, right? If everything went right. Now it's like, you almost have to be perfect around a quarterback like that. And you see it when Brady comes back from 28 to three. You see it when the Niners outplay the Chiefs for three and a half quarters and Mahomes just erases it you know, in the yeah. fourth quarter of that game. You know, like that's what it is now is like, and if you're in the AFC, like you might have to beat three of those guys in a row just to get to the Super Bowl, you know? And so I think that's sort of where the psychology that obviously has always been the most important position, but it's almost like that's like leveled up now where is like a, is the 12th best quarterback in the NFL good enough? You used to be like, maybe you could win with that guy. Now it's a lot more difficult. Now maybe you're like the 45 win NBA team. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. And, I, you know, I think Wilson, who he was in the beginning of his career, they didn't ask him to do a ton, you know, which is the irony of his frustration that he wanted to be asked to do even more. He clearly developed into somebody who deserved to be asked to do more. But early on, like, look at the attempts. You know, I remember looking at like Andrew Luck versus Wilson coming in and the amount of stuff that like Luck had to carry everything about that team in the beginning, Wilson didn't, but then he actually turned into one of those guys. So in the beginning, even with Wilson, I was like, is he really going to be? And then, you know, ultimately, I think it got to a part or a, I would say a, a status in the league where it wasn't even debatable that he was top five. So I don't think people give, I don't think people like really recognize how ridiculous what Luck did was <laughs> like that team got torn down. Like they remember they, they cut all those guys like, Dwight Franey, Gary Brackett, like all those guys that have been there forever, they put him in there as the starting quarterback of a completely torn down roster. He makes the playoffs in year one, goes another round in year two, goes to the AFC Championship in year three. Like, like as the guy who's carrying the team in year one, year two, year three, it's really a shame what happened to him because I, I don't think people recognize like how ridiculous what he did was. I Look, you, we are on the same page on that one, man. I almost feel like he's become underrated. But then when you're just like, I'm done, I'm over it, then you're thinking, <laughs> okay, well, am I supposed yeah. to praise this guy for shutting it down? But to step into the league with that team immediately have success, uh, that, that was pretty remarkable. All right, so this is a perfect segue off of Baker and Darnold, the number one and number three pick from just a few years ago, being on the same team, different teams um, from where they were drafted. Let's ask you a totally unfair question about the 2021 draft class. (laughs) Because this is what, I mean, the math tells us a couple of these guys aren't going to be on the team that took them. And it seems really unfair just after one year, but I'll give you two options. Uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets or Justin Fields with Chicago? And as a Buckeye, this is probably terrible to ask you. I should probably save this for somebody else. <laughs> um, well, the 18 class is the right example to bring up because I feel like with the exception of Rosen, everybody felt really good about where they were with their quarterbacks. And you remember then, people were like, like Josh Allen was probably, a lot of people felt better about Darnold Bayfield than they felt about Josh Allen after that first year. You know what I mean? Like, And then you had Lamar, of course, who was a 32nd pick. Um, I would probably go with Zach Wilson right now, despite where I went to school. And I, the reason why is I just, I think so much of this comes down to investment, Ryan, maybe this is a cop-out answer, but I think they're, I think they've got comparable ceilings. I, I like, I think the, the difference right now is the situation the two guys are in. And if you look like basically where Justin Fields is, is right now, he's got a new coach who didn't draft him. He's got a new GM who didn't draft him. And they just ripped the roster apart, which needed to be done. But now, like they're in year one of a rebuild, and he's in year two, 
And generally, you have to make these decisions after three or four years. Compared to Wilson, the guy who drafted him, the, the coach who drafted him is there, the GM who drafted him is there. They've been building up for a while. The offensive line in front of them, there's been a ton of investment there with Becton and Farrah Tucker and Tomlinson and Fant. They just drafted Garrett Wilson in the first round. They drafted Elijah Moore last year. They signed, uh, you know, they, they, they've signed receivers. They kept Braxton Berrios. Uh, and, and like, and you look in the backfield, Michael Carter, they drafted a kid from Iowa State this year. It's just like the level of investment and then the timeline, I think, matches up better with Zach Wilson than it does with Justin Fields right now. That doesn't mean Justin Fields can't make it, but like, I think to some degree, like you have to look at these situations and it's like Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are sink or swim with Zach Wilson. Like, like Matt Eberflus and, and Ryan Poles are evaluating Justin Fields. And I think that's a very, very important distinction to make between the two. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel like when you, when you come in after the, the first guy got fired, like it's just you tell the ownership, like, well, we'll fix this guy. And then, because he's still not your guy, that's how you get the job. And then you keep your job by saying, yeah, we don't think this is the guy. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, and then there's almost an incentive because it's like, if you have a rough first couple of years, you can say, well, like if we just get another guy in here, I swear we're close. And then if you draft one in the first round, you've just like bought yourself another two years because it's like, well, you got to let the guy develop. You know what I mean? Like, so I think Fields is playing from behind from that standpoint, whereas Wilson's timeline, the people around him are all invested in him. All right. Uh, that was good. It's totally unfair. So try not to, whoever's listening to that, Bears or Jets fans, try not to get too upset about everything you just heard. Okay, we know Dak got paid. Uh, and he got paid in a big way. I mean, he held out. He got a nice offer. He said, I want more. He broke his leg and he still got paid. He got taken care of. So pretend he's he's not been paid and everything's equal. Who would you rather pay the big contract to, Dak or Lamar? I think Lamar. Um, it's with the caveat. And again, like this is another cop out, but you have to be willing to play offense a certain way with him. But he's so unique and so different. And I'd be a little concerned about the injuries, but the way NFL contracts work, I'm assuming this is not going to be a Deshaun Watson contract. Like you can usually get out of them after three years. And I just think what Lamar is, is so unique and so different and stresses defense in such a, is such a, like, is like the guy, he's the guy who keeps the defensive coordinator up at night on Saturday night. And I just think like you maybe have to have a little bit less right around Lamar than you do Dak. Like I think Dak is a really good, efficient quarterback, but I do think that you have to have a lot of things right around Dak to really make it go with him. Whereas with Lamar, I think he sort of buys you a little bit more margin for error. So I'd probably take Lamar so long as you're willing to play the right sort of offense around him. Okay. I, I you, can't, you, you can't, you can't, you can't like throw him out there and, think that he's going to be Tom Brady because that's not what he is you know like you have to play a certain way with him yeah I, I wonder if more people would answer Dak just because you don't have to tailor everything to it the way you do with Lamar yeah uh, I, like I understand what you're saying I like again like I just I guess maybe this is like me looking at it in that like Allen Mahomes Burrow like when we were going through the AFC quarterbacks, I don't think I even mentioned Joe Burrow, who is in the freaking Super Bowl, by the way. Um, but if I like, I, I look at where the bar is and what, like how you're going to beat those teams and how you're going to be able to beat some of those teams in succession and, and what you're up against in the NFL. 
I, I just think maybe Lamar has a little bit more of an ability to take over a game in a one-off situation than Dak does, but that's just me. Couple last, a uh, couple things here to finish up here. Um, what do you think happens with Deshaun Watson ruling? Because I've heard rumors about what has been recommended to Goodell. I just have a hard time believing that, you know, look, Goodell's in a position, no matter what he does, he's going to get ripped for it. Um, I bring up the Ray Rice jokes that come up on Twitter all the time, which I totally understand and the frustration behind it. But I'd like to remind people that you actually did get the suspension that you wanted, which was the end of his career, which was all the owners individually, collectively deciding we're never signing Ray Rice and his career was over. So people that think that the NFL, you know, it may not have been the paperwork and the direct memo, but you still got what you wanted uh, if you wanted Ray Rice to never play football again. So with Deshaun, we know he's playing football again, but because of the years of people doubting that Goodell gets this, I wonder if he would take any recommendation or agree with a recommendation that's less than a year. Right. So let's start here. No one knows what Sue Robbins is going to do. Like, right. Like, so she is a former U.S. District Court judge. I know you know that, but for people who don't, like, she's the one who will be making the initial ruling. And I think, like, because of that, like, it's very unpredictable. That said, I I can sort of read the tea leaves and the way that the two sides are acting. And one thing I heard definitively is she wasn't happy about, like, the NFL's position becoming public and getting out there while the hearings were going on. And I just think like the NFL is savvy enough from a PR standpoint and savvy enough just from an operation standpoint where if they felt like they had an airtight case, they would not say anything. They would not want to risk pissing the judge off. They would keep quiet and let the process play out confident they were going to get their year or their indefinite suspension. The fact that they got their side of the story out there so aggressively over the last month tells me they aren't comfortable with the way that all this is going. And they feel like it's important that everybody else knows this is what we want, right? Like we wanted a year out there. I also know that they they only brought the cases of five of the 66 women and five of the 24 that's uh, four of the 24 that sued and then another woman on top of that. And like I do think that Watson side and the union feel comfortable with where they're at that this is not an open and shut case. And so, like, if I had to guess, and again, Rob, nobody knows what Roberts is going to do. I think this comes down at like maybe half the season and maybe like a higher number, like 10 or eight with the ability, if you hit conditions to knock it down to eight or six, the way Roethlisberger's suspension was. Um, and then it gets really interesting because like you said, like Roger can step in and change that if he wants, but will he? Because like the owners have, and Jerry's been the most vocal about it, but the owners have, been pretty, I would say, forthright over the last few years about wanting to get out of the business of being jury, judge, jury, and executioner in cases like this. And that was part of why they negotiated this process with the union in the first place. So it'd be a little weird if the first high-profile case like this, the first thing you do with an arbitrator that you brought in, who's obviously got a great track record, is completely disregard what she says, right? Like that to me, I I wonder if that would create more problems than it would solve. And so how does the NFL have its cake and eat it too? The NFL has its cake and eats it too by saying, listen, we wanted a year. In fact, we wanted an indefinite suspension. And the reason the settlement talks broke down 
and I've been told this by a bunch of different people, is because the NFL was was adamant on a year. So if you're the NFL and you want your cake and you want to have your cake and eat it too, you, you get that side of the story out there. And then if it comes in a little bit lower than that, you say, well, we have to respect this process that we negotiated a couple of years ago. So we're not happy about it, but we're going to go forward with what Sue Robinson decided to do. That was a great answer too, because as you're giving me all the levels to it, I'm just thinking in my head of all of the different reactions that'll all be disappointment, you know, where it's like, well, hey, you're the commissioner. You're supposed to step in and, and do this. Um, if it's, I knew no matter what, if it ends up being less than a year, I was thinking, would Goodell just go ahead and say, all right, well, here's a win for me by whatever the recommendation is, say it's eight, 10 games. I'll just double it for the full year. So it makes me look, but back to the original point, um, from the inception of Goodell saying, I'm taking the controlling role here on punishment because going back, I don't know. I remember sitting with TJ Hushmanzada in ESPN radio studio where I was like, what do you think of all this stuff? And I don't think he's care that I'm sure he's like, good. He's like, you know, these other guys that are screwing up that make the rest of us look bad. Like I'm not, I'm not against some of these guys getting punished. And, and I think it felt like fans wanted more punishment. They wanted people to be held accountable more. And so Goodell was responding to that. But then once you start doing it, it immediately turns into, why are you the guy that has all of this power? Why are you doing this? But I also think it's a, it's a good reminder to people. If you're the owners and you're the commissioner, I don't like if you have a really successful business, you're not necessarily in a hurry to invite in an independent third party to go through all your dirty laundry and then just start punishing you and your employees. Like right. who would own who would own a business that would say, hey, you actually own the business and everybody works for you and you pay them, but you actually are not going to be in charge of any of the discipline. And again, you could say Goodell doesn't pay the salaries, but he's just an extension, uh, an extension of the owners and working for them. So it's kind of the same thing. So you're right. That's a really like, here we go. Here's the new process. This is what we're doing. Here's a recommendation. And because of PR, I'm going to double it and ignore what your recommendation was on the legal side of it, just as a commissioner. This is, it's, you know what it is? It's another, it's another probably no win PR moment. It's just a matter of how long it'll last for the reaction to it. Right. And like, I think like I, the, the turning point really was, like, there's Josh Brown, but, and, and obviously like Rice and Hardy and Peterson were a big part of this too, but I do think like the turning point was Zeke and there was no criminal charges against Zeke. And like the fact that the NFL still came in and punished him, like sent Jerry Jones up a wall, you know? And I, like, there's just been this feeling from owners that like, and that's why, like, honestly, you see so many of these teams, it's like, we got to respect the legal process. We can't intervene before the cops or the cops are done with their investigation. Like there's been like over the last, I'd say six or seven years, a real effort from owners and from the league to sort of take a little bit of a step back and say, we don't have subpoena power. We're not the police. We're not the FBI. Like, let's let those, let's, let's let the legal process take its course with all of these. And then we'll make a decision on the back end on what we, what we want to do. And, and because there's like civil versus criminal, this, this one's a little bit more complicated, which is why you have the arbitrator in there to sort of be able to take the decision out of your hands. We could end it there. Anything else, though? Or do we need to ask about Jimmy G? Do we, is there anything else that you have for us that we, we should hit you up on? Yeah, I mean, like I, the Jimmy G situation is interesting just because I, I think like money is going to come into it um, because of where we are in the calendar. I actually think Jimmy's become a little bit underrated. Um, been in the NFC championship game two of the last three years, you know, like he's not a bad player. 
Um, but the shoulder obviously screwed up the timing. And, you know, if he guys got a year left on his contract and you get a shoulder injury that could screw up that one year, he's going to be tough to move. So he's got to prove he can throw. What's interesting, and I think this has gone a little underreported, the Niners have been 100% willing to let other teams come in and talk with Jimmy's camp about like renegotiating his number. And it's different than Baker's, as you know, because Baker's money was all guaranteed. None of Jimmy's money is guaranteed. And so I think a lot of the, what happens with Jimmy is going to come down to how do you thread the needle if you're Jimmy to, I want to go start somewhere else. I want to get what I'm worth. But I also understand that there's probably not going to be a team out there with the cash or cap flexibility to give me what's on my contract right now. And so like to me, like once he's able to throw, like, is there a team out there that's willing to negotiate his number down? And is Jimmy willing to negotiate his number down? And are the Niners willing to take on a little bit of the money to sort of buy back a draft pick? There's a lot more moving pieces with the Jimmy situation than I think people realize. And I think he's a better player than people realize too. So it'll be interesting to see if like the Niners maybe wait a couple weeks into camp and it, it turns into either there's an injury somewhere or somebody's not happy with their quarterback situation. And now all of a sudden you have a home for him. Yeah, if you've waited this long, I, I think that's exactly the play. All right, let's see where you're at two weeks into camp, two of the exhibition games, somebody blows out a knee. Yeah. And and maybe we, you know, we get a better price than whatever they were offered around draft time at free agency. Uh, thanks as always, man. Enjoy the little break here because I know you guys get it cranking up soon. So uh, we'll talk then. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house on the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. Uh, what's up, guys? How's Chilling. everybody doing? Um, I get, we have a funny story from the week, but I don't, know, I don't know if I'll share it now. Maybe we'll just do it Thursday. Because uh, I don't know how it's going to go over. But it, it, it's just sort of funny. It's just funny. I don't know. There you go. There's a tease. Yeah, I want to laugh for you. Tease. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then again, I don't know. I mean, it's not like the, you know, it's not the all-timer of all-timers. But we'll, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll test it out, market test it. We'll workshop it a little bit with the guys. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, this, the title here is, Do You Tell the Future Lady About Your Debt? Oh, this doesn't sound very good. Uh, not worth mentioning how big or tall, but I do stay fit. All right. How well, healthy what, is your bank account? What do you mean account, it's not bro? worth mentioning? <laughs> it's weird. 
it's not worth mentioning. I mean, this is already say- off to it. Yeah, we're at, a, <laughs> we're at a sketchy start with this one. I wanted to send this back when you were working with Danny, but was too embarrassed. But I have to believe there's someone else out there uh, now who's in the same shoes, and I wish I'd reached out then. I'll ask if, it's, if it was then. So what are we going, back in time and everything's fine now? Yeah, he wants a ruling from four years ago. Yeah. All right. Next email. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is tell her her about the debt. That's the answer. Wait. No, I know. I know. I I just don't like (laughs) the idea. I don't know. Are you kidding? I just don't like the idea of actually having to do that. It's just one of those way easier said than done things. Good luck. I had a buddy who dumped his girlfriend because her credit score sucked. He was going to marry her. Wait, it was just the credit score? It wasn't like, I mean, I, I guess the credit score is usually means there's probably something else waiting in the wings there. The iceberg. Yeah. 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 Um, sounds like there. Sounds like it wasn't a super stable relationship. If that's if that's what pushed it over the edge. But hey, we were kind of blown away. Like he was older, she was younger. She was, you know, wasn't too bad to look at, and wow. uh, he was no, he was like very principled about the whole thing. He was just like. She didn't tell me about all these loans and her credit was fucked up. And he's like, if I'm going to buy a house and, you know, your name is on it and everything, the rate's going to get all screwed up and all like he was. Wow. Some people are just look, there's people listening to this right now going, absolutely. It's a partnership. (laughs) You've got to be totally upfront. I, you know, and I'm not, I would be like, oh, do we get along? Yeah. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. You know, and that's if probably you, the wrong way to go about it. But my, my, this one guy was like incensed. He was so upset. And then a couple guys were like, you don't think you're being a little harsh? And he's like, what's wrong with you guys? And we were just, so I, I don't know. I can only tell you how I would feel about it. And I might be wrong. So I don't even think there's a right or wrong for this one. I just know it either bothers people. It, like it's a non-starter for some people, which I sort of get. And for other people, they look past it, which I also get. So there you go. Neutral over here. Yeah, I just have a hard time believing. I'd be like, yeah, I love this girl, but, you know, her credit score is 520. So she's got the chop. Wait, so when you get married, is it like, well, it's our debt, right? Basically, that's exactly how it works. So if you can make it past re- the goalie. You're rethinking things? <laughs> oh, I'm just wondering. It's, it's like, you make it past the goalie and it's like, we, now we have to figure this out, right? It's not like I, I have to figure it out anymore. Now it's we or no. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's question. kind of. Like if look at it this way, if you're if you're going to get a mortgage, you're trying to get approved for a mortgage, right? And your credit score is awesome, and hers isn't. You're going to get a different product here. So let's say we're right? not let's say we're not necessarily trying to get something together, but let's say so like stuff starting to come to the house with somebody's name on it. It's like oh, we're collecting this. Like, can they also are they now collecting it from us, or it's still just you, even though you're married? Totally hypothetical. Sir, do you want to take this one? I don't. I don't honestly know the answer. So when I got married, we both didn't really have. I mean, we had student loans, but that's about it. But I wasn't like in charge of Maddie's student loans when we got married. They didn't. You know, I wasn't getting. It wasn't like addressed to Steve and Maddie, Mr. and Mrs. Cerruti, from, okay. from, from from the University of Connecticut or for Sally May or whatever. So I don't know. Like that was the only debt that we took on. I think. Um, and then we did buy a house together, but you know, we both had decent credit scores, so it was kind of fine. So I don't actually know the answer. Wait, I wait, assume, wait. I would are, assume yes. Are you asking? Kyle, if all of a sudden, like the her bills start to become delivered to you with your I'm, name on I'm it, I'm wondering. I don't know. No, I don't know. No, okay. No, no, no. 
Like you still have can't hurt you if she doesn't pay them. That's what that's the point. It can't hurt you if she doesn't. That's that's yeah. Yeah. You don't get married and all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, why am I getting billed for Equinox? You got married, dude. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how it happens. Uh no. That's that's I just mean like an old cedar sign. It's like, yeah, I don't really I think they messed up with that billing or something. Is that gonna like start showing up to the house? Uh it doesn't matter. Forget it. You've already answered it. Yeah. No, I just think that if somebody Somebody, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to start scaring away younger dudes here, but yeah, <laughs> if, if the person you're going to marry all of a sudden has like all this secret debt that you didn't know about, like it's a devious thing, you know, it's, it's something that also makes you think, well, if you were capable of doing this, what else could mm-hmm. you have done potentially? I, you know, it's, what about I when you get divorced? Do you split the debt when you get divorced? Probably not, right? No, if you're the guy, you lose almost all your shit. And then you also take on some of the debt or she gets all the debt too. It doesn't, I just need to stop this. I still haven't even set a date for the wedding. Guys. Don't worry about no, it. No, people are going to listen to that and be like, oh, I actually think there should be a common sense lawyer where it would just be like, and it doesn't mean I'm pro Kevin Federline after this Britney Spears thing. <laughs> Fair. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not sexism thing. I just think that there should be, there should be courts in divorces that go, Hey, this guy probably could have met somebody else. And then the same thing for Britney Spears. You'd be like, she could have, dated anybody you're just fucking dancer in a tank top off to the side like we're just gonna cut you a minimal check and keep it moving right like, <laughs> yeah. i think that's how people should look at it in divorce where it's not just or like the standard of living thing that happens like and i'm talking on either side of this by the way this is this is not it just sort of you know tends to happen one way more than the other but you know if you're loaded and then you meet somebody who isn't and then you know you hang out for a few years and now all of a sudden you're supposed to pay to that person's standard of living. Yeah. Like, what was the standard of living going to be not meeting me? So, all right, maybe we're going a little too deep, deep down. <laughs> I can't imagine what the responses are going to be to that. Some <laughs> philosophical people would just be like, no, you have it all wrong. Like, I don't know. Do I? Yeah. I just think this there is should also be... no kids involved also. They're like, when in, this is just two people. No kids no involved. Kids. No kids yeah. involved. No, if you if you have a Tell couple your kids ways. and you're, you're supporting somebody, that's totally different. Um, yeah. That's that's totally different. I'm glad you said that. Great qualifier, dude. Yeah, great qualifier. Saves saves me from people being like, is he the biggest asshole ever? (laughs) Like, oh, no, he's still maybe sometimes, but not. All right. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm slim pickings here right now. Okay. 5'11", 185, played college tennis three years, got bored, played rugby my senior year. Look out. So I've got this dog who has twice as many Instagram followers as me. Okay. Uh, eight years old, 90 pounds, uh, golden doodle. You familiar with the mm. the species, guys? Very popular. Yeah, very popular. Okay. Uh, who's generally a good boy, gets along with everyone. I don't know. I might be worse with dog life advice than I would be with human marriage and divorce kids life advice. Uh, he busts out this mean bark uh, for door-to-door salesmen. He uh, lets my toddler use him as a pillow. Um, so I guess he's good. I don't know. All right, whatever. However, he's got one incredibly bad habit that he can't shake. He eats socks, lots of them, so much that I need a sock subscription service to replenish the ones he eats. He's a big dog. He's able to digest 99% of them. Uh, My ballpark guess is that I found 100 of them digested in my backyard. But it's the 1% that's cost me thousands of dollars, nearly five figures because they get stuck in his intestines and it requires surgery to get them out. Mm -hmm. He recently had one lodged so bad that he had a vet remove three feet of a small intestine. He's only one week removed from surgery. I believe he just ate another sock despite God wearing damn. a dog cone. 
I know you're thinking, just don't leave your socks around on the ground. Yep. You nailed it. Totally. That's exactly yep. what that's <laughs> exactly not thinking. Yep. Why are there hundreds of socks around? <laughs> hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> Our guy's claiming he spent almost $10,000 on fucking socks. <laughs> no, that's no, no. He's saying socks with, and with the medical bills. That's oh, very yeah, yeah, realistic. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I not, just factor it all in my sock, sock and account. sock removal. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Because as I you read it, I was like, wait. <laughs> sandals uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slides alone. I'm down. I'm down four Birkin G's. socks are really in right now. Although some people wear those with socks. I wouldn't. Well, this guy can't wear them with socks. He doesn't have any lying around. They're yeah. all gone. Um, okay, so easier said than done with a messy wife who doesn't use a <laughs> hamper and two kids under three years old. So it's their oh, fault. Yeah. Like, should if you're getting married, should your wife tell you that she doesn't use a hamper and reveal all of her debt? <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the dog is tall enough and strong enough to get in any hamper, laundry basket, and open dryer. What do I do? Do I just keep dropping thousands on these surgeries? Do I keep a muzzle on him? Do I keep him gated in his own room? Do I turn my family into a no sock sandal only family? Do I let the next stuck sock end him? All right. Can't. <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, can't do that. All right. We love him, but he's burning through what's left of our savings after just adopting a baby for 35000 I don't know how you could keep going on like this. I'm not saying don't get the next surgery, but like, uh, I don't, I don't have any solutions for this one. I mean, I know everyone's going to email in and just say, be better with your socks. The guy's trying. It's not working out. It's not working out. Could you keep them out of one room where all the socks go, baby? Like <laughs> you have sock. Maybe you things. have to be super vigilant on where, if, if there's any socks on the ground, um, but maybe there's just the, the socks. All the hampers are in the bedroom or something. Or the, I don't know. I don't know. Hamper room. Trainer. Great farm upstate. What? I don't know. Can we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Kyle. No, uh, I don't think we're there yet. Why don't we? What, what about a trainer? I don't understand. Like, can you can we get a trainer in there to like, you know, there's certain things you could do because I'm kind of going through this right now where um, I have two dogs. I have a uh, they're both rescues. One of them is like a 60 pound border collie mutt the other one is a uh is a dachshund mix so um they're cool they're awesome i would be bummed if they weren't around but they bark whenever someone comes to the door you probably heard them in some podcast recordings like if we get a delivery there's like they're just losing their fucking minds um otherwise they're really good dogs but obviously i'm having a kid soon so we're kind of like we can't have these dogs just like losing their minds every time someone like rolls up on our neighborhood and they get angry about it um, so we're going to hire a trainer and that's what we're going to do. So I, I'm assuming you could hire a trainer to like teach your dog not to eat shit that, that they shouldn't eat. Um, cause my, I had a cousin whose whose uh, dog, which is like eat belts all the time. And it's the same thing. They had to get multiple surgeries and it was like a total, total nightmare. And I think they ended up getting, getting some training situation for them. So I think it's a possibility. I don't know if it's like a, a, a one size fix all kind of thing and he's going to stop eating socks, but at least try there. Cause it's probably not that hard. A couple hundred bucks. That's awesome advice. That's it. You nailed it, because I think the rest of this is going to get really difficult. There's going to be some very pro-dog people that get really mad that this guy is almost killing his dog because he can't put his socks away. So you got that part of it, right? And there's also people that like dogs more than people, so they don't even care about the kid part of it. I mean, I'm just, sometimes I'll hear stuff or stories. I'm like, do you not care about the kid more than the fucking dog? And I think sometimes <laughs> deep down, people will be like, eh, really like dogs, man. Um, so this guy's going to catch a ton of shit. So for us to suggest you know, the other part of you, like, you're going to get rid of the dog and give it up because 
that keeps eating the socks because you can't put them away. So this guy's going to be this guy's going to be in the crosshairs for the community right now. And I think Cerdy uh, offered the best chance at any advice, but I'm sure he's probably tried that. That's my guess that he's not emailing a show without trying to do some of these other things. Your advice was the best, but I don't know. I don't Sometimes know how you people don't keep think about that. that. Sometimes people don't think that they. I mean, I, I, it might not work. I'm not saying it will work, but it does seem like that's at least like step one. And he didn't mention it. So Before, could, did okay. anybody else hear? Did he say he paid thirty five thousand dollars to adopt a baby? I did. I I was confused about that. Yeah, it sounds like you purchased a baby. It doesn't sound like you adopted a baby, <laughs> dude. You know how expensive adoption is? No, I don't. I don't, I think, don't actually, they need no. people to adopt babies? That ah, doesn't matter. I'm not even in the game, and I know that. I'm full of questions yeah. today. I don't, it doesn't make sense. Sounds like you'd be it's doing everyone cheap. a favor by adopting a baby rather than giving him thirty five grand, whatever. No, nah, man, it's uh, it's expensive. Okay. All right, last one. Uh, okay. All right. Um, we'll leave the name out of this one. Hey, what's up? This isn't about me. I'm 5'11", 187. Thank you for the uh, specificity on that one. Always feel like you're saying that word wrong. You go into it being like, do I try to say this? Am I going to hit it? I'm like, all right. I think you nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Moving on. Um. This isn't a love triangle. It's more of a third wheel deal. But I have a friend who is the guy in the relationship who's dating the female in the relationship after our freshman year of college. Uh, We're going to leave out names here because the guy kind of put a bunch of names in. All right. So the deal is he's dating this girl. We are all friends. I care about them both. But he is a hoe when he gets back to his hometown during the summer. We live in the same town. We went to the same high school. So they're supposedly still together. And that's what she thinks. He keeps telling me it's summer zip code, bro. (laughs) 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 And that none of this counts. So my dilemma is this. I care enough about her. I know what you guys think. It's not because I secretly want her. I just think what my buddy is doing is really shitty. And I don't think you should want to do that to somebody else. Should I say something to her or tell him to say something to her? Uh, I actually have a friend who did this. It's pretty crazy. Um, I'll leave out the names, but yeah, he'd finished up a year at school. Didn't do that well. And he... His parents didn't have, you know, he didn't come from a lot of money or anything. So he, he got a job as a delivery guy, started delivering food, whatever. And he hit me up and he was like, dude, you will not believe what happened. I'm like, all right, well, tell me what happened. He's like, I delivered food to this lady. She was older. Um, he's like, it, it just, it was right out of the movies. It's on. And I was like, all right, but like, what's the catch? Like, there has to be a catch. Like, I know you're a good-looking guy or whatever, but, like, you're just delivering food, and it was just on? And he's like, yeah, it was on. I was like, so, like, is it going to happen again? He's like, yeah, I think so. So it happens a couple more times, but she wasn't, like, into him that way. She, like, knew what the deal was, and he sort of knew what the deal was. And meanwhile, he has this girlfriend back at college. And he spent the entire summer because she had, like, told other women about him 
no. spent the entire summer telling other women like, hey, if you ask for this delivery guy, like, just know that it's not. <laughs> he's, he's down. <laughs> he's down. <laughs> like, don't worry if the fries travel well, because they never do. But it's, it's on. And so that's what he did all summer. And dudes were like, what are you going to tell your girlfriend? And he kind of felt like, you know, it wasn't really always about like, I don't really feel like I dated anybody. And it wasn't really about like, you know, an emotional thing. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. I don't know. I think he like would dance with one of them or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Wednesday night. He ended up, <laughs> yeah, he ended up telling her. And she was just like, how would you feel if I came back was like, hey, fired up about this semester. By the way, I just slept with old dudes all summer. That's crazy. I think I think you in college, you should be seasonally dating at least. That's I did that a couple of times. It was like, maybe we could do the whole year. Christmas break isn't so long or like date somebody for the summer and then leave. But it's just they should you guys shouldn't even be in that situation. Like he he should he's he shouldn't be a date dating guy, I think. Uh, especially what about prostitution, been- though? <laughs> like if he just was like, hey. Hey, what though? That, like, what are the terms of this? Just feels like a different level. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. It is a different level. I'm just talking about the actual guy for the life advice. I feel like if he's your friend, maybe you should just like if it's gonna bother you. I think maybe you could just try to convince your friend to not have a girlfriend. That might be yeah. That might be cool. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, otherwise you're gonna have to be like, all right, I'll ruin the friendship, and then she probably isn't even gonna be friends with me, especially if she's friends with other people in the group. It's going to totally ruin the dynamic. Hopefully, you could just maybe get him to, to to convince himself that he shouldn't have a girlfriend at all. And then maybe he could have more fun in college. I don't know. Unless she's like doing no, his that, homework or something. I feel like maybe that's the best the best way that's is, a good call. is to just see if maybe you could be like, hey, man, look how much fun you're having. We could do this at school together. Just start playing C's. Like, do you really do you really want to date her? Like, she's cool. But like, you know, it seems like you're, you got a good thing going here. Like, you're doing all right for yourself on your own. Like, I, I we've had multiple, I feel like, of these... Uh, you know, should I tell someone like who should I tell the girl or the guy in situation? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be cheating too. It could be anything. I I think we're all anti snitching. You just never tell the girl in the situation. You just can't. I just think if that's your guy, if you're friends with him and he's your main friend, like as much as you may like her as a friend, like he is your friend. You have to go to him first in the situation. You cannot snitch on him. You cannot tell her because then that just what's the end game there for you? It's just cool. You like blew up this relationship and then you're probably going to have no friends. Neither of them are going to want to be friends with you because she's not going to like be like, oh my God, thank God. You guys are going to hang out forever. So I I just think you got, you got to do what Kyle said. Just kind of maybe talk him into being single. And that's probably your best bet because if it pisses you off, I understand why it would piss you off. It would piss me off. I think it is an annoying thing to do to like just cheat on your girl every time you like go away for a couple weeks. But it's also not your life, man. Like, it's if he wants to make decisions and mistakes, and that's up to him. So you can try to convince him that it's wrong, but you cannot tell her. So that's what I would say. But he should tell her, like the guy, Dave. The guy, you could try to convince right. him to tell her, but now he shouldn't you tell her be the either. One to break that news, he should just break up with her. He shouldn't tell her. Well, I think you know, let him do what he wants, but like at least had try to just break him to up be with honest. her. Yeah. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. What? Well, What's first the, of all, salt in the wound for what? For what? Well, because she could wonder for a lot. She really cared about the guy. She could wonder for a hey, long it's time. Simple, like, I wonder it's what simple went as wrong. this. It's summer vacation. I don't really want to be dating someone that's far away from me on summer vacation. And I'm I'm a this, shitty, I'm a shithead college student. That's really all the what information you, you need. This yeah. guy's on a boy band tear. We're not even in mid-July. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, 
Uh, you're, you're probably right. And, it, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know if there'd ever be a sequel to it, but uh, yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah. Don't snitch. There convince him. Convince him he could do this even in college. Okay. That'll close it out for uh, Summer League for us. Uh, head it back. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Uh, please subscribe. Rate review the podcast. Ryan Russell. Ringer. Spotify. <laughs>